This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. What's up, Toronto? Wheels with you. This is Toronto Today. This is sad. Just two more days left of this program, this show. Then you guys got to put up with Petrillo, Leafs Lunch. Oh, come on. She's a pro. She's much more likable than me. And that means all Leafs talk all the time. 11 to 1 right here, TSN 1050. Leafs Lunch makes its triumphant return. With Petrillo and a cast of some of the best hockey insiders and analysis, the game has to offer Leafs Lunch coming back next Tuesday right here on TSN 1050. Technically, I will be here on Monday. I'm the sucker that has to work on Labor Day Monday, but that just means I get to chat with you a little bit more, which is good times as you make your way back to the cottage. You start thinking about catching the school bus on Tuesday for your kids. Ugh. The weather this summer has been disgusting, and I'm not ready to give up what we have uh, going right now. But thus is life. The good news, hockey basketball season's on the horizon. Should be a great fall for Toronto FC, potentially for the Argos as well in this city. So sporting-wise, the wheel keeps on spinning. And even though the Blue Jays have disappointed and continue to this year... Uh, still plenty to keep your attention attention, and um, provide that emotional roller coaster that we all love in the sporting world. Richard Griffin, TSN 1050 Blue Jays analyst, Toronto Star, will join me in about 12 minutes time. And we're going to try to put together a Blue Jays grocery list, a shopping list for the offseason. You can go in any direction you like with this, but I'd love to hear from you where you think the Blue Jays should take this sucker heading into the offseason. 416-870-1050. And toll free at 1-855-591-6876. The text is 105050. The email live at tsn1050.ca at WheelerTSN on Twitter. Uh, some housekeeping I wanted to deal with first. That J.J. Watt and this charity um, that he's established or that he's... In, at the very least, part of. Is he fronting this operation, Joe? Because I know there's a CEO for this charity that J.J. Watt is all about. It's called YourCaring.com. And basically, it's set up to raise money for the disaster victims down in Houston. He has raised now over $10,320,000. million. He started off with a goal of like just raising $200 million, then it went up to a million, and it's gone up and up and up. The Ellen Show's got involved. Scrizzy behind the glass tells me that Drizzy, Drake, has donated $200,000. This, this thing is kind of rolled out of, out of control in a good way where it shows the good side of humanity. All started by J.J. JJ Watt. Now, in the NFL, typically fans cheer for players on your own team. So I'm an Eagles fan, so I love Carson Wentz. I, I love player like my favorite player basically all time was Randall Cunningham. 
Donovan McNabb, Brian Westbrook. The list goes on and on. Those are typically the players that are my favorite. But J.J. Watt is an easy guy to cheer for. As people across the world have stepped up with this Your Caring campaign, go to yourcaring.com. Uh, it's a compassionate crowdfunding service that goes to the Houston Flood Relief Fund. I'm always a little bit wary with certain charities because you don't know where exactly the money goes to. Um, but it just shows you the good of humanity and where the government sometimes can't support or protect the people that your neighbors, the community, and caring people across this world are willing to step up and make a difference. So, shout out to J.J. Watt. I know I'll be cheering for the player, not the team necessarily, even though the Houston Texans, the Houston Astros, uh, these the Houston Rockets even, I think there's going to be a soft spot for those teams in a lot of people's hearts because of what the people in that community have had to deal with over the last, well, five or six days now and what they continue to suffer through. But J.J. Watt, uh, I mean, I was always impressed with the player before, has dealt with some injury, um, has exceptional athleticism, but I think he's won over a lot of people and has a lot of new fans because of this completely appropriate gesture. So good on J.J. Watt. I, I just felt like it's important to take some time and acknowledge what this incredible individual is doing in this desperate time of need. Uh, as far as the NHL talk goes, let's update our poll question. It's which NHL player is going to have the biggest impact for their new team for this upcoming NHL season. We listed four choices, but you can write in votes as well. The options, Panarin, Marlowe, Saad, Drouin. Thus far, 41% of the votes uh, have gone to Patrick Marlowe. I know that there's Leafs fans. Uh, I mean, they are our audience. But come on. A 38-year-old player, you're going to be kidding yourself and setting yourself up for disappointment if you think that Marlowe is going to have the biggest impact. Drouin, 30%, Panarin, 22%, and Saad, 7%. For me, these results thus far are kind of farcical. Because I can make the argument that multiple players are going to have a bigger impact than Patrick Marlowe. One, we don't know where Marlowe is going to play up and down the lineup. Two, he's going to be 38 years old. Just look at the track record of players in their late 30s and how their production curtails. Scott Cullen of TSN... Uh, analytics, tsn.ca, wrote a piece about this after Marlowe signed that all his peripheral numbers have gone down and continue to go down. He can be a power play specialist. He can still skate a little bit. I get it. I don't like the Marlowe deal. Can the player be productive? Sure. But to suggest he's going to be more productive than an emerging player like Jonathan Drouin, I mean, how can we honestly say that Marlowe will have a bigger impact than Drouin? A 22-year-old player that came into his own last year, 53 points in 73 games with star potential. You can't say that. What about a Ben Bishop? I mean, the Dallas Stars are a good hockey club, a very good hockey club. Their problem last year... They're goaltending. I could have played goal. You could have like used one of those cutout goaltenders and got pretty much the same from that Dallas Stars goaltending pairing. 
Ben Bishop, the hope is that he stabilizes the back end for what should be a very good team. Ben Bishop could easily have the biggest impact of any player acquired, new player acquired, over the course of the offseason. I'd even cast a vote for potentially Alexander Radulov over a Patrick Marlowe. A first-line right-wing player will play alongside Sagan Ben. We'll see how that plays out. He, If he can build off what was a good season in Montreal, he can have a true impact. I like Brandon Saad, 24 years old. He's going to be reunited with Jonathan Taves, a player that he put up 53 points with two years ago at 22 years of age. He's 24. Help make that Columbus Blue Jackets team competitive. And what about Panarin, who goes the other way? Or Temi Panarin? He could maybe take a step back because he's not playing with Patty Kane anymore, but still an intriguing young talent. Look, I understand that people in this market want to support the Leafs in this scenario. I get it. But to suggest that Patrick Marlowe is going to have the biggest impact is way off in my estimation. What say you? 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. Tool free at one 591 1050 is the text. At Wheeler TSN on Twitter. Let's go to the hammer. Andy, you're on TSN 1050. What's going on today, buddy? Hey, Wheeler. How goes the battle, buddy? You know it goes. We're rocking and rolling, doing our thing. You? Good. I you know I work right now, so... Lots of fun. <laughs> this is a good way to kill some time chatting with me, pal. You know what? I drive around all day and I listen to you guys, so you know what? It makes my day go pretty good. Beautiful. That's the proper recipe right there. Where do Anyways, you want to go with this? I, I built this Marlowe thing. You know, I feel the same way you do. And when it comes to age, it's a huge thing in hockey. But let me say this. Let, let him prove you wrong. You I hope know? so. Yep. And if I'm going to give you the over-under on points, uh, let's say 15, what are you going to give him? Pardon me. Say that one more time, Andy. I'll give you the. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you the over or under for Marlowe for points this season at 15. Oh, for, for points or goals at 15. 15 points. 15 points. You're gonna get more than 15 points from Patrick Marlowe. I hope pending injury and you know if he's playing with a Matthews and a Nylander getting power play time. I sure hope he gets more than 15 points for a guy right. like that. I mean. At realistically, at 30 years of age, he should be over 40 points, 15 goals, 15, 18 goals, I, well, I'd how say. Many, how, how many goals or points will it take for you to come on the radio come June and publicly admit how wrong you were then? If, if, he, if he's a 20-goal scorer, when he's making the kind of money that he is this year, based on how they filled a quote-unquote hole up front by bringing in Marlowe and not addressing the back end. He's got to score 20 points. He's got to or 20 goals, be over 50 points. And that'll make you happy? That would make me happy. And so if the your... team is more productive and if they can end up trading someone on the front end to address some of their woes on the back end or some of their holes on the back end. Now, isn't he getting most of his money in the first season? He is, but that doesn't matter in terms of the annual average, basically, salary against the salary cap. What I'm asking is, if he's getting most of his money the first season, what's the likelihood he'll be there on season three? Uh, I would say, if you're asking me a percentage, I'd say about 35-40%. Really? I mean, the, the Maple Leafs can bury that. Part That's of the contract, true. they they can, but I hate thinking that when you sign a new player to come in and be an impact, quote-unquote, impact player for the team, what you're going to do with the guy in year three. 
Yeah. I, I'd hope that the guy could play the duration of his contract yeah. and be effective. Look, I hope that he proves me wrong. I'm just going by track record in the NHL. A 38-year-old player. Players slow down. It's a young man's game. And I just don't think it's the best recipe for okay, success. One more, one more thing, Wheeler, before go we go, I'll hang up. Um, so what are your thoughts with the Leafs this year if they're going to really try to push uh, push Lou to sign it in the next three more years? I'll hang up now and good luck to you, buddy. Thanks, bud. Um I think the Leafs can have a good year, but it's not because of Patrick Marlowe, per se. I think it's because another year of Matthews, another year of Marner, another year of Nylander. We'll see about Gardner, if he can continue to progress. If Kadri and Gardner, I think they're two really important players, and they can follow up what were breakout years last year with effective years this year, then the team has some serious potential to be a playoff team. I still think they're a step or two away from contending in the Eastern Conference. Let's go to Robbie in Etobicoke. Robbie, what's up, bud? How are you, Gareth? Good, pal. Um, yeah, I guess I, I can kind of see why people would be saying Marlowe simply because it's Toronto-centric and that's the bulk of your listeners. But I, and I, you know what? I, while I don't think he will have the biggest impact, I think there's um, when you consider how Matthews, what Matthews did last year, given that Hyman was essentially his winger the entire season. I think he's going to take a step back in goals, but having someone who can finish like Marlowe and he can keep up with the speed, I think I think he's going to be the beneficiary of a lot of Matthews assists and uh, and whether or not that leads to the uh, off season signings, I don't know, but I think he's going to have a very good year. What I would say, um, I think Artemi Panarin. Um, I know friends of mine have discussed this at length, and we keep coming back to, well, you know, Kane Kane was the reason, but. There's, I don't think you can discount the fact that Kane also had his two best seasons with Panarin on his wing. So uh, I think he brings a lot of star power, elite, elite uh, hockey skills to Columbus, who had a great season. And I think he's, well, he's never going to be as physical as Saad. I think he's definitely going to bring a lot to that first line well, and that he, instant chemistry with Wenberg. And they're going to rely on him a whole lot, aren't they? That, that's sure. that's the thing. Like This is the time you're going to really see what Artemi Panarin is all about. And, and you're right. The last two years for Patrick Kane, statistically, 106 points, 89 points. And by just ignoring the, the fact that Panarin was playing with him, I think that it does the kid some disjustice or it doesn't do him justice. So we'll see what Panarin brings to that Columbus Blue Jackets team. That's just why that's such an intriguing trade, to see how it can play out and potentially benefit both teams. Yeah, and, and what you said, I mean, I wasn't thinking about him directly, but it makes a lot of sense because you figure when you're trying to figure out who's going to have the biggest impact, I think you have to look at who is going to be put in, in the biggest um, kind of under the biggest microscope or given the most chance. And I think Ben Bishop, given how bad they were defensively and specifically in net, yep. I think he definitely will be given uh, every opportunity with the contract he signed to be the man. So unless he implodes, I mean, even if he plays just good enough in the sense of how, how he's been the last number of seasons with Tampa, I think that that's going to be a huge resurgence in Dallas this year. Good stuff, buddy. Thanks, Rob, for the phone call. Uh, let's quickly go out to Nick and Branford before I welcome in Richard Griffin. What's going on, Nick? How are you? Hey, how's it going? Good, pal. How's your day? Not bad. Just having lunch. Uh, I just want to talk about Patrick Marlowe. Let's um, go. So I don't mind the signing, to be honest. It's front-loaded. we still got Marner and Matthews yep. uh, on their rookie deals, right? So you got the money. Why not throw it at him? Coming off 27 goals, it's not bad. I just, I'm wary of a, tw- first of all, he's played his, ent- 
entire career in San Jose. So when a player packs up, leaves, goes to play for a different team, different context, different situation, he moves away from that core, there's going to be an element of the unknown. And when you're 38 years old in this league, father time catches up to you. I'm sorry it does. Yes, 27 goals last year, but only 46 points. And you cannot tell me he's the same player he was three, four, five, six years ago. He just isn't. That's the reality of the situation. And what I worry when people are expecting that big of an impact from Patrick Marlowe, you're going to wind up being disappointed. Can he be a serviceable player? Absolutely. But is he going to be the biggest impact player? I have a hard time believing that's going to be the case. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. You know what Uh, I mean? I'm worried about Drew to be honest. You're worried about him? trade from Montreal. Why don't you like that trade? Oh, I do. Oh, okay. I, like I think he's established, eh? But um, Sergachev, he's not proven yet, so I don't know. We'll see how it goes. And that's the th- and I understand that the Montreal Canadiens have lots of other holes. They, they still have questions on the back end. They still have questions down the middle. But when you add a player like Drewen, it ha- that's a deal that you can't turn down. Not only a guy with bags of potential, but a local hometown guy as well. I think you can just have a massive impact on that team. And we'll see what kind of success they have. A lot of eyeballs on Carey Price and Drewen. Yep. They're going to be relying on him to... Uh, uh, to to provide offensive production. That's what they need, and that's why they brought them there. Yep, 100%. Well, Thanks, buddy. Talking to you. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. We'll continue to take your phone calls, uh, let's say, in about 14, 15 minutes' time. We're going to try to link up with Richard Griffin. Uh, can we play some sound from Troy Tulowitzki as Richard joins us, Scrizzy? Tulo showed up at the clubhouse before the Blue Jays, lost 7-1 to the Boston Red Sox yesterday, and... He believes that he's going to be a shortstop going forward, which kind of indicates where his head's at at present time. I've had to answer pretty much that same question since I came out of college. Yeah. You know, um, so now I'm sitting here at being uh, how old am I? 32 years old, almost 33 years old, and just know, you know, get asked the same questions. And I think you guys know how serious I am about that position. And, and I'll be the first one to say, hey, I'm not getting the job done, but. I feel like I bring, you know, a lot to the table defensively. It's one thing that I always said since I stepped foot on a big league field is that, you know, I'll start this thing as a shortstop and I'll finish it as a shortstop. So uh, I think it is a good question, but at the same time, I've I've lived this position, man. I've dreamed of, of playing shortstop since I was a young, young kid. All my idols were shortstops, and I take a lot of pride in it. So there you go, Troy Tulowitzki from yesterday, digging in, making his thoughts abundantly clear where his future remains on the field of play. Let's bring in Richard Griffin, TSN 1050 Blue Jays analyst, Toronto star, at our Griffin star on Twitter. What do you make of Tulo's comments yesterday, Rich? Well, I think that, uh, you know, everybody believes that and good on him for, for believing that he's going to start and finish his career as a shortstop. But Cal Ripken believed that too. And he moved over, you know, Hall of Famer and everything that Tulowitzki says about contributing to the game, uh, in ways other than just playing defense, running the infield, pacing the pitchers, all that stuff that he talked about that sort of, uh, you know, a mental part of the game he can still do from another position you know when he talks about the critics i was one of them i wrote a column a couple of weeks ago that that they should think about it because right now in major league baseball 30 teams 
he's not even in the top 15 overall shortstops in terms of, of offense and defense. And, and I think that that's something that when the Jays are paying him $20 million a year for the next couple of seasons, that they have a right to ask him to move over to another position. So Tulo feels that way. How does the ball club feel about that? Well, at the moment, there's not anyone uh, available to take the position away from him. But, you know, you look at Bo Bichette a couple of years down the road and Tula Whiskey will still be under contract. I think that at some point he's going to have to get realistic. There's a lot of shortstops through the years that have uh, had great careers, Hall of Fame careers, and then moved to another position later in life, 32, 33 years old, as he pointed out. He's been injured a lot. He's, he's you know, whether it's injury prone or, or, you know, a series of unfortunate accidents and injuries, the fact is that it takes a toll on his body, and shortstop is the position that requires the most uh, agility, the most range, and at some point he's going to have to think about it. And, you know, like I said, the fact that he's so confident and so sure of himself as a shortstop is a good thing. You don't want a guy who's, who's looking to be moved, but real reality has to set in at some point. Richard Griffin, Toronto Star, joining us here on Toronto Today. I'm Wheels. So you have that issue at shortstop, not knowing how Tulowitzki will fare, not only in the field, but at the plate as well. And then Devin Travis reportedly has a setback yesterday as well. We won't see either of these players uh, for the remainder of this season, but there has to be questions going forward as well. So if you're the Blue Jays, how do you prepare when you really can't rely or count on your middle infield? Well, yeah, I think there was a, an exaggeration on the extent of Devin Travis's setback. Okay. Uh, you know, they wanted him to report when he's feeling a little sore, and he, he was feeling a little sore on the way to coming back with the uh, with the knee flap that was repaired, but it doesn't make it a, a season-ending injury, and I think that was exaggerated slightly. Um, but, you know, moving forward, you might even think about a corner outfield spot for Devin Travis uh, because he seems to be, you know, he's got the lower body issues as they say in hockey, and uh, <laughs> that, that might be a good position change for him, which would mean that the middle infield needs some shoring up. I think that Lourdes Goriel is a guy that we've talked about before, uh, Cuban uh, free agent that they signed this past offseason. He's already on a major league contract. They need for him to find a position to play. He's listed as a shortstop, but he's been playing second base at New Hampshire. He's going to go to the Arizona Fall League. Uh, and as I said, he, next season he'll be on the second year of his major league contract. I think it was seven years. And, and so there's a guy that needs to, a position to play, and I think they would do well after an Arizona Fall League season, to have a serious look at him at spring training. Interesting. A a couple thoughts come to mind when you bring up Devin Travis potentially moving to left field. One, does he lose his value from being a really solid offensive player by moving from second base to outfield? And two, how much of a hindrance is playing on turf at the Rogers Center to not allowing any give on that body? Yeah, actually, the uh, you know when we're talking about artificial surfaces, I think <clears throat> the the worst ever was uh, Olympic Stadium in Montreal. It was like a parking lot with a with a pool table cover on it, and um, the the one at Rogers Center is actually far more forgiving uh, as far as artificial turf deals go. And I, I think that Devin Travis 
the playing the infield with bad knees, the stopping and starting, the uh, the planting of the foot to make a throw from up the middle. I think all of that is uh, more detrimental uh, than playing the outfield and, and running after balls in, in one direction. Uh, I think offensively he has the skills to be a left fielder. I mean, you're looking at uh, a guy with decent speed, a 15-home run bat, ability to hit 300. And, you know, that would be, that would be ideal for a, for a left fielder as long as he's surrounded by, by guys that can produce with home runs with the bat. And, uh, yeah, so that, that's not out of the question, and it's something that they could start thinking about next spring. Now, obviously this is going to be one of the many questions about this team. I've been asking our listeners for a grocery list. I've had plenty of suggestions come in, but a, basically a grocery list for the Blue Jays to shop for this offseason. Where do you put the priority, Rich, in terms of that lengthy list of would-like-to-adds or must-adds come this offseason? Well, I think that... Uh, that a priority for a lot of fans is one that's really not that difficult to fill, and that's uh, a couple of spots in the starting rotation. I mean, Will, as you know, you look at the off-season free agent list every year, and there's at least 20, 25 competent, experienced major league pitchers, major league starting pitchers looking for work. And if you do it short-term, if you feel like you're bridging to the future, and they have uh, an assortment, the Jays have an assortment of starting pitchers that are uh, at double A and high single A in Dunedin that, that maybe two or three years down the road will, will be able to fill in and, and do a good job. But it's not that difficult to spend some money. You need to spend eight to 13 million like they did with Estrada, like they did with Half, and find a couple of guys that you can sign short term, one year, two years maybe one year in an option. So I don't think that that, that's a priority to fill in, but I don't think it's going to be the most difficult thing to do. I think the biggest question mark is going to be whether they hang on to Josh Donaldson for his final season uh, before free agency or whether they maximize the return by by sending him somewhere to a contender that uh, will send some uh, package of prospects. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. That's the most intriguing storyline because I, I like how you use the word bridge towards the future because I, I really can't see the Blue Jays spending big this offseason, Rich, because I think they're trying to build that bridge. And why spend a lot of money now when you can maybe bring up some young players to fill gaps as well as bring in veteran players on one, two-year contracts to plug the rest of the holes? Like We're not going through a complete rebuild, but it certainly looks and seems like this organization's more interested in building a, a bridge to the future than anything else. Yeah, and we also, one thing that we haven't spoken about is how young the Yankees and Red Sox have become. And, and you know, for years the Jays were chasing the Yankees and Red Sox, and they chased them in signing veterans and becoming a more experienced team. And all of a sudden, they look around. It's like when they built the Rogers Center. All of a sudden, Camden Yards showed up, and, and Rogers Center became obsolete. And now the, the Jays have built a roster that's becoming obsolete because last season at the at the trade deadline, the Yankees became younger and more exciting and a better team. And this year and last year, the Red Sox roster all of a sudden has no more David Ortiz, has no more Mike Napoli, has no more 
of those veteran guys that the Jays were so long trying to emulate. Now the Jays have to get younger just like the Yankees and Red Sox did, but they're still two years away. Their guys are still two years away. Bichette, Vlad Guerrero, some of the pitchers that we were speaking about earlier. So they do need that bridge. They need a bridge for a year or two years, and, and the way to do it, it's a sign short term. Yeah, I thought that was supposed to happen last off season. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they were going to get younger and more athletic, and I, I think that uh, that Ross Atkins worked out a little, so he became more athletic. But... <laughs> he is Benjamin Button. He's getting younger, <laughs> correct? Is that it? Absolutely. Good stuff, Rich. Uh, good luck with this last month of the year. It's going to be a difficult watch, but hopefully, brighter days are in the ha- are ahead in the not so distant future. Thanks, Wheels. Anytime. Richard Griffin, Toronto Star, Blue Jays writer, columnist, TSN 1050 Blue Jays analyst, at our Griffin Star on Twitter. This is the thing, people. Like, expectations are one thing. And I thought that the expectations placed on this Blue Jays team were far too high, considering what they didn't do over the course of the offseason. The fact they let their best player, or the second best player, in Edwin Encarnacion go. And they tried to plug the holes with cheaper, not as good options. Where would the team be this year without Justin Smoke, which was an absolute bonus? I think fans were duped to a certain degree. Don't be duped this time around expecting a big offseason. They're trying to build that bridge. Plug some holes, find ways, somehow, some way to get younger, bring up prospects, and see what they can do. That's what this Blue Jays team is going to be. It might not be a complete rebuild, but it's something close to it. The restructure, replenishment, I I don't know what you want to call it, but it doesn't look good. And I can't believe anyone's still watching this team. It's unwatchable right now. That Baseball Insider was brought to you by Oakland Ford Lincoln, your premier source for auto service and sales in the GTA. Go to the Oakland Ford Lincoln Quick Lane, conveniently located at 570 Trafalgar Road in Oakville. That is Oakland Ford Lincoln, your premier source for auto service and sales in the GTA. I'll share some of your thoughts on your Blue Jays shopping list. You can weigh in at 416-870-1050 and 1-855-591-6876. And we'll get back into the this, ma- this most impactful player conversation has somehow turned into a referendum on Patrick Marlowe. Marlowe's leading our votes as for the move in the NHL offseason that will have the biggest impact. Our, our listeners are saying that Patrick Marlowe will have the biggest impact, which I think is absolutely crazy. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why Marlowe will have the biggest impact of any player that moved in the offseason. If not Marlowe, then who? I want to hear from you. 416-870-1050. And toll free at 1-855-591-6876. The text is 105050. The email live at tsn1050.ca. At Wheeler TSN on Twitter. Your texts, your tweets, all that coming up next. And we'll be giving away two tickets to Canada, Jamaica, sometime in the last half hour of this program as well. Wheels with you, Toronto Today, TSN 1050. Twelve thirty-seven. Wheeler with you, giving away two tickets, Canada, Jamaica, in a few moments' time. WTF 
coming up as well. At Wheeler TSN is where you find me on Twitter. Pat talking some sense on Twitter as everything to do with our poll question, which NHL player will have the biggest impact for their new team. Patrick Marlowe still winning or voting, which is way off. Pat's on Team Wheeler. He's got my back. It's not Marlowe. Come on, Toronto fans. Even I can appreciate the other guys, and I'm a Leafs fan. That's my whole point here. Whether it's Saad, Bishop, Drouin, there are other names who are more likely to have bigger impacts for their respective new hockey teams. Where do you sit on this? 416-870-1050. And toll free at 1-855-591-6876. The text is 105050. Let's go to Etobicoke. Nick, welcome to the program. What's happening, pal? Hey, Wheeler. How are you? Good, dude. Where do you stand on this? All right, I'm usually on Team Wheeler. I gotta say, I love what you do. Keep it up, bud. Thanks, bud. All right, so I'm just looking at it as a Leafs perspective. I'm obviously a Leafs fan. Go ahead. So I'm looking at Austin Matthews scoring 40 goals last year. He was playing with two rookies. So I'm I'm looking at this, and it's basically Lou Lamorello saying, Austin, here you go. Here's a veteran to lead you to a 50 or 60 goal season. He's gonna take Matthews under his wing. It's something he needs, and it's gonna make a huge impact on the Leafs because Austin Matthews. By playing with Patrick Marlowe, he's going to be an even better player in the future. That's where I stand on it. Okay, I'll say this. There's no guarantee that Austin Matthews will be playing alongside Patrick Marlowe. Like, Marlowe could be playing with Nadri, Nazem Kadri, could be playing on the third line. We don't know what his preference is. He likes playing Hyman with Matthews, and I know a lot of people disagree with that, but he likes how he has some defensive jam. He likes the mix on that line. On the power play, sure, I see the value in a Patrick Marlowe, but can a 38-year-old maintain his speed, maintain a healthy body, maintain high production playing alongside a high-flying 19, 20-year-old guy at 38 years of age? I have severe questions about that. I, I do. I hear you, Nick, and I'm not trying to discount what you're offering. I just, I'm at a point now where Marlowe, despite all that he's proven over the course of his NHL career, he's going to have to prove it all over again here in Toronto. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I, like I said, the other caller made a good point. At least they're probably going to bury him in his last year anyway. So I'm just looking forward to next year. It's going to be awesome. I hope it works. I hope I eat my foot. Honestly, I hope I eat my words and have to come on air and apologize, and I absolutely will. I just simply don't see it. Thanks for the phone call, Nick. Let's go out to Oakville, James. Jimmy. Do people call you Jimmy, James? How are you? Good, pal. You? I kind of view it this way. Let's go. I agree that Marlowe could be the biggest one. I think you're kind of looking at it a little strange. It's Dreisaitl for Radulov. It's Marlowe for Hyman. So the impact, if you're looking at guys like Dreisaitl and you're looking at Hyman, you're looking at Panarin and Saad. Saad is a drop down from Panarin. We'll see. Dreisaitl's a great player. He could be a straight wash for Radulov. Marlowe for Hyman is a massive increase on that line. So it is very possible that Marlowe could actually have the biggest impact for his team. Doesn't mean he's the best player out of the mix that they got. But in terms of it's player for player, how your question was how it affects the team. There is probably a really good chance that Marlowe for Hyman could be a massive increase bigger than Dreisaitl for Radulov. Okay, so, so, or any of the other guys. So Derek hits me up on Twitter. He brings up a, a similar... Uh, thought, which I get, is that the fact that the Maple Leafs didn't have to trade or give up an asset 
to bring in Marlowe means that by just him coming into the lineup, therein will have the bigger impact than teams trading away assets to bring in other players. Is that kind of the road you're going down, James? I think at this stage of the game, the money they're paying them becomes irrelevant. It's their money. It's not our money anyway. Yep. But in terms of players that we're out there to get, see, I think at the end of the day, you made a little rant before about coming to a new... The age becomes irrelevant at some point. At this stage I don't of think... The game, how can the how, sorry, sorry, let, let, just, me, let me just finish. Okay. Let me, let me just finish. You've got a guy coming in that's going to be playing with 18- and 19-year-old guys. The Leafs aren't a hitting team. They're not a bruising team. They are a skating, speed, finesse team, which is straight down. The, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not the biggest Marlowe fan in the world, but where he's really good and why he's been able to play at the age he's at, he is a new-age hockey player in the sense of skill, speed. The Leafs are all skill, speed. I think this guy is a shoot if, if he's on that uh, Matthews line, I think you're looking at 25 to 30 goals. 50 to 60 points. Okay. If he remains all year on that Okay, line. James, James I, I hear what you're saying, but, and, and this is pushing the contract to the side. I'm not talking about the contract here. Okay? Age does matter because every player slows down. The wear and tear gets to them. Father time always wins. Listen to this. Over the last three seasons, Marlowe has averaged 1.35 points per 60 minutes during 5-on-5 play. That's the same as Alex Burroughs and Nikolai Kuhleman. Marlowe's shot, his shooting percentage was 14.2 last season. It was his best rate since 2009-2010. That matters because he generated 2.32 shots per game last season, the lowest since 2002-2003. So if if his shooting percentage ends up going down this year, then he's going to be less effective as well. And you have, like, age is the number that matters the most here. Cite the case where a 38, 39, 40-year-old player gets better. No one does. They all get worse. They all get slowed down. It's not Patrick Marlowe. If you're talking about 32-year-old Patrick Marlowe, I am all in. That is a true difference maker. 38, though, James, that is a whole different story. Well, we'll see how he does. If he's, yeah, I, I would argue if he's inspired on a line with Matthews and Nylander and that line is getting the ice time and they're getting the power play and they're getting all of it, he's going to produce. Thanks, buddy. That's the hope. Fingers are crossed. I mean I, I mean, I mean, I hope you're right on that one. It seems like when, when it comes to Marlowe, a lot of cliches are being used. You was like you just heard James right there. Like if his head's in the right place, if he's committed, what can he do with the young players? He's going to be a mentor. Yada yada yada. I've heard all this before. What does that mean in terms of production on the ice? And to say he's going to have a better impact than a Druen, a Bishop, even a Radulov. I'll throw Radulov there. A Sod, a Panarin, a Shattenkirk. Come on, Toronto. Let's take off the blue tinted glasses just a little bit. Not even take them off. Just bring them down. Put them on the edge of your nose. Uh, let me get to some of your tweets and, and texts really quickly before we go to break. Da, 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 da. I already read the Pat one. Uh, Mike is saying 35, 40 goals easy playing with Nylander Matthews. I just, I just don't see it. At all. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. I mean, I just, I, I, I hope that I'm proven wrong on this. So we're getting a lot of text to do with our poll question on whether it's okay if that Russian, what's his name again? Joe Bieber? 
Vadim Shipashov. Shipashov wearing 87. I'm just like going down my feed. People are more fired up about that. Uh, someone just running in. Let's not forget Patrick Marlowe was not playing with Burns in San Jose. Uh, what? Well, Thornton was there too, and Pavelski and Couture, some pretty damn good players. His production still went down, and I expect it to go down further. He'll be good, but not even close to the most impactful. That, that, that's kind of my feeling about that as well. Dave hit me up. Will Marlowe's impact be greater than numbers, but rather teaching professionalism? Well, you have Mike Babcock. You have an, an esteemed front office. Like, I don't think you need Patrick Marlowe to teach the young players. By the way, he makes fun of Joe Bieber behind the glass. You're, bash, you're basing your statement on stats, and now what Marlowe will bring off the ice with the kids. Being there, done that, heard that before. I just, I'll have a really, really difficult time. Someone's saying Ben Bishop. Someone's saying Ryan Miller will have a big-time impact. Some other names have been thrown out there as well. I'll continue to go through through some of your texts and tweets. I'll share some of them before the top of the clock, and we'll give you the final results to our poll questions as well. And WTF, that's coming up as well. But it's time to give away a pair of tickets to Canada, Jamaica, international friendly. This Saturday at BMO Field, your ticket also gets you into the CNE grounds. It's a rematch of the knockout round match between Jamaica and Canada. Can't wait to see the boys back on home soil. Your chance to win is right about now. Canada hoping they will host the 2026 World Cup in conjunction with the United States and Mexico. Canada has played in one World Cup of soccer before. What year? was that World Cup, that one appearance at the World Cup for the Canadian men's national team. First caller through with the right answer at 416-870-1050. That's 416-870-1050 or toll-free at 1-855-591-6876. You get the two tickets to Canada, Jamaica this weekend. Good luck to all trying to call in right about now. WTF coming up next. Wheeler with you, TSN 1050. All right, let's deal with our poll results. Quick text coming in. Any quick thoughts on Yermer Jagger? He's 45. Retire. If you're 45, you played for like 25. Like, just you can't skate anymore. This is what happens when you get old. Doan, Aginla, Jagger, Chara's coming up. Marlowe's coming up. There's a time where you just got to say enough is enough. Poll results. Like, I'm just shaking my head. Joe Narsa, like, it was a great idea to put up, or Joe Bieber, I should say, great idea to use this poll question, but, man, the results, horrible. Well, we had spoken, and we were like, well, should we put Marlo on, because he'll probably get the hype. I but know. But we had to, but I, I, I'm with you. I expected a lot more to go across the board rather than at Marlo. Which player will make the biggest impact for his new team? Marlo, 40%. Druen, 28. Panarin, 24. Sod 8. Some people said Bishop. Uh, some Scruzzi other. had an interesting one. Also, another goalie, Mike Smith. M- Mike Smith with the Flames. Scott Darling with the Carolina Hurricanes. You could could have thrown him in there. I mean, I don't know. Just Marlowe, forty percent. That's tough. We might have to pick up where we left off on this tomorrow. Okay, and and kind of get into why. I mean, this is pure bias. That, that's what this. Let's call this as it is. And I'm biased to a certain degree as well. But come on, I'm a realist first and foremost. We also got into it. This guy named Shipashov. 
is going to wear Shipashov. Vadim Shipashov is going to wear number 87 for the Vegas Golden Knights. Joe Bieber has a problem with it. I don't. Put out the poll question. Do you have a problem with it? 86% say no, Joe Beaver. You're going to yeah, have to get over it. I know, but I'm pretty sure the Fox News poll has it opposite, so they're on my side this time. That's fake news? The fake news crew. Which, Me and the 14%. We're still around. We're still kicking. Yeah. Okay. It's time for this. What the? They defeat the Toronto Blue Jays 19-1. to Oh, that's nasty. You come to the rink to see something maybe you've never seen before. And that might be one of those moments. It's only two dudes better than me. And I'm both of them. Stay off the weed. W-T-F. A British bartender snuck into the Mayweather-McGregor fight acting as if he was Floyd Mayweather's bodyguard. He was situated by Tyson, LeBron James, a bunch of celebrities... Like, right down by the ring. Like, he bought a ticket to the fight worth $2,600, was disappointed that there were nosebleed seats. He followed Mayweather's security detail as if he was one of them, and the arena personnel didn't scan his ticket. So he took an empty seat in the third row. This guy's a genius. What a guy. Posing as Mayweather's bodyguard. And the biggest WTF about it is he's actually a McGregor fan. Incredible stuff. How about this? A man crossing the street in New York had his legs swallowed by a sinkhole after the road abruptly gave way underneath him. There's pictures of this guy. His leg is stuck in a hole in the middle of the street in NYC. Sinkholes, people. No laughing matter. Are you a big Kendall Jenner guy? I don't know who Haley Baldwin is. Have you heard of Haley Baldwin? Scrizz? Joe Beebs? No? Well, apparently Blake Griffin and Chandler Parson, Parsons, uh, basketball players, obviously, went out on a double date with Jenner and Baldwin. Is that better for the girls or the guys? I, I, I don't know. These celebrity couples, hard to keep up on. How cool, is this? How cool is this? Roger Federer, one of the coolest athletes on the planet, opted to practice or do his practice session in the Central Park tennis courts for his practice on Wednesday afternoon. How wild is that? You're just cruising through Central Park. Oh, there's Roger Federer practicing. That's amazing. Who wants to go with the Flushing Meadows when he can just hang and chill in Central Park? Incredible. Federer, the GOAT. The deal between the Celtics and the Cavs that sent Kyrie Irving to Boston, Isaiah Thomas to Cleveland, well, it was finalized last night, a 2020 second-round pick. Does that even count as adding a little extra spice to that deal? Really, that all was a bunch to do with nothing. The deal was always being made. This is, like, really no big deal at all. And the Blue Jays play the Orioles tonight. More punishment coming the Blue Jays' way. The Orioles have hit 50, hit 55 home runs in August thus far. They've hit 55-plus home runs in a single month four times. No other franchise has done it more than twice. Those are today's WTFs. Wow, that's messed up. That's all the time for me today. I want to thank Joe Bieber. I want to thank Scrizzy, who I was told this is a WTF on Instagram. His handle is Scrizzy Bear. We'll dig deeper into that tomorrow. Rawr, big boy. Love that, Scrizzy. Thanks to both of you. Mike Hogan up next on the Scott MacArthur Show. I'm Wheeler. We'll do it all again tomorrow.